Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. I'm Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I've been a practicing evolutionary astrologer for years now, and in my study and practice of astrology and the magical experiences it's opened up in my life, I've come into contact with a lot of amazing ideas and people. And so I created this show to signal boost transformative and healing ideas. On today's episode, I brought in my friend Cameron Allen to have a discussion about his spiritual journey and about astrology. We also talked about deconditioning from social norms and the individuation process. We talked about the lymphatic system. We talked about yin and yang and the divine feminine. And we talked a little bit about the modes in astrology. So that's fixed mutable cardinal. Cameron has a very grounded energy to him and has some very wise things to say. And something that I love about this conversation that we had is that it's kind of like a window into what is it like to be intimately involved with knowledge systems like astrology or herbalism and what does that do to our consciousness and the ways that we describe our lives. Cameron also shared an open invite to listeners of this episode to contact him if you have any questions about anything that we discussed um, or you're curious about something, which is really cool and generous of him. So if you are listening to this and you're like, wow, I really want to talk to this person, you actually can. I also want to let you guys know that my next evolutionary astrology intensive course is starting up in June, and this is a 45 hour comprehensive online live training. And it's also recorded in case you have to catch up for any reason. And those recordings will be available forever. This course is designed to give you the foundations to have a personal astrology practice, meaning that you can read charts, you can interact with your own natal chart, that you can participate actively with astrology and even source your own interpretations and not just rely on things that you read in books or research that you do. In this course, you'll learn about the 12 zodiac signs and houses and their underlying karmic themes, so a deeper perspective on all of the signs. You'll learn about the sun, moon, and planets, and the lunar nodes of the moon, and how to place them in signs and houses. You'll also learn about aspects, planetary combinations, and planetary phases, so that gets a little bit more in-depth. You'll learn about how to synthesize elements of a chart together, so when you look at a map, of the natal chart, you can pinpoint and gain interpretations on individual parts of it, but you can also intuitively see the whole chart as a whole, which is something that a lot of people who've been studying astrology for years don't know how to do. It's the kind of thing at the horizon of like, oh, I would love to learn that next. So I'm going to teach you how to do that. I'm going to teach you about Pluto and the lunar nodes and how to resource them as a way of finding the evolutionary bottom line of the natal chart. So these are things about what a soul is coming into this life for, you know, life purpose and what things you have been doing in prior lives, how you've been developing in prior lives and how that has conditioned you in this life. So it's like your deep memory, your unconscious memory. Those things that come to you really naturally in this life, like talents, things you probably worked hard on in prior lives, those things that are really challenging and feel really foreign to you in this life, something that's at your cutting edge of your evolution. I'm also going to be teaching karma, reincarnation, and the esoteric principles of soul-based astrology. It's a whole new world, guys. I think you'll love it. Um, I'm going to be showing you how to apply astrology into your life and how to transform and evolve using the map of your natal chart. 
Students comment that I have a very compassionate vision of astrology. When I first started out practicing astrology in the way that I do and writing forecasts, I saw that it was no longer useful or relevant or mature of me to have negative judgmental perceptions of any of the signs or planets. So I would look into them. I would ask for visions. I would pray. I would get to know these different archetypes to find them in their best light to see their greatest potential. One of the ways that you can really evolve using astrology is that you can pinpoint the archetypal nature of your problems and your struggles. So you're having this ongoing life struggle or this pattern, then you can find it in your chart. You know, what archetypes does it relate to? And then you can reimagine different ways of living into that same archetypal energy. This is a whole language. And if you've been on the periphery of astrology or you read forecasts such as the ones I write, um, or you read things in books and it's captivated you and you really want to learn more about it, this course is an opportunity to take ownership of that, to get to a place where you can actually source astrological interpretations from within your own heart and psyche because you're that intimately aware of these archetypes and because you've been initiated into the language of astrology, the planets and the cosmos will begin to speak to you. If you want to learn more about this class, go to my website, monarchastrology.com and click the tab that says intro to evolutionary astrology intensive. You can either enroll there or send me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com to inquire about the payment plans. This course has been so enjoyed by my previous students and they tend to become friends with each other. A really beautiful community emerges from this course. So not only will you be gaining life-changing, game-changing information, but you'll also be making new friends. So I'll leave you to this conversation that I had with Cameron. See if you can feel the Capricorn stellium vibes. He is an Aquarius sun and a Gemini moon. And I just think that astrological com combination is so interesting. You know, he has such imaginative and visionary ideas and he's also super grounded. I'm really grateful to have him as a friend. I'm grateful that he's in our astrology community and I think that you'll really enjoy him. Hey, Cameron, thanks for joining me today. Hey, what's up, Sabrina? Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, it's uh, we're at the heart of the Mercury retrograde in Pisces. And that's been feeling pretty profound in terms of accessing you know, spiritual ideas and visions. I am really excited to be talking with you. For those of you um, who are tuning in, Cameron's a friend of mine and a member of the astrology community. And I feel like you're super tuned in and super dialed in. I really love hearing everything you say and the things you say really impact me. Um, so I'm excited that you're here. Yeah, same. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I try to stay tuned in. I mean, with Uranus on the on the ascendant, it's hard not to. <laughs> oh, so you have Uranus on the ascendant? Yeah, I have uh, Sagittarius rising at 29 degrees. Uh, and then I have Mars conjunct the ascendant and also Uranus conjunct the ascendant. And both of those are in Capricorn. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen your chart in a bit, and you're an Aquarius sun. Yeah, conjunct the North Node. Okay. Oh, sun on the North Node. That's a fun one. I feel like that's that can be more fun than having sun on the South Node, I feel like. 
<laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'd say so. It's like you're given permission to like shine in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like just go down there and like shine, like just like but be careful with that big ego though. That's what they always Okay. Say. Yeah. Um, I thought you were a Capricorn for the longest time. Like I forgot that you were an Aquarius. And then when your birthday came up and it was on Facebook, I was, I had to think about it. Right. Right. Cause I, I mean, I do have six planets in Capricorn, so that just like takes the rain. Yeah. So before, I just want to ask you before we dive in, how does it feel to have a Capricorn stellium? How do you like relate to that, um, concentration of cap? Yeah, well, now in my reality, it feels like structure, but like actually like learning the structure of reality. That is how I experience it now. But when I was younger, and even still to this day, it's just a lot of feeling pressure from like outside authorities. Yeah, just like straight up Capricorn stuff, you know, it's just what people say should and shouldn't be. And my constant uh, feeling that I have to like go against that or feel repressed by that. You know, that was that was the way I've experienced it the majority of my life. But now, yeah, it's just about like what is Saturn and Capricorn. But with it, keeping in mind, you know, Sagittarius is natural law. So there are there is a certain structure to reality from my perspective. And I'm constantly climbing the mountain to learn that. That's awesome. I feel like um the philosophy of the ideas that I see you expressing feel like really grounded in actual reality. Like you're tuning into reality, not the constructed social reality, but the structure of reality behind that. And I feel like that's another, that is Capricorn, but it's less socially constricted. Right, right. Definitely. And also even just like with spirituality as well, like still having it here in reality, and making people feel like they're on their own authority by becoming spiritual. But like, like my teacher always says, uh, walk the spiritual path with practical feet. Mm. And like, when he said that, like, I really, really like resonated with that deeply. So that's, that's how I tried to ride away. So what brought you to where you are today? Big question. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right. Right. It's <laughs> like the question that I asked myself, like, <laughs> so yeah. So even I'll take it back to like when I was like in the crib as a baby, like in like a little playpen. Right. And all the adults would like come up and try to watch me play. And then I would stop playing and then watch them. So it's something about like the observer quality of myself, you know, that has always been in me. And now people perceive it as spiritual or like now there's a certain context on it. But yeah, I would say it started from the very beginning, even having the sun on the North Node. It's like I came in trying to figure out, like, what did I care about and how do I express that in my own unique way? But I also had, uh, I guess I would call it an acceleration process because when I was younger, I had a lot of anger. So I had to, like, go through anger management and then I learned, like, coping skills. So with coping skills, they will give you a few different ones. And I would always like combine the coping skills. And then like when I got older, I just took that with like crystals and then uh, plants and then astrology and psychology and health and sports science and whatever I could get my hands on or my mind on to wrap around, you know, what is going on in my reality. 
you know, that to me is like how I like frame, like how my path to getting here has been. I love that crib image. So do you have a lot of early childhood memories? Not really. Only like flashes of things that like, I guess you could say were traumatic, but not really like very intensely traumatic. I guess just to my mental, my mental nature, like little things like my sister, when she first came in to the house, like I was like, I was so happy that she was born. Right. But as soon as we walked into the threshold of the house, I hit her. Right. Cause I knew like my specialness was like, gonna like gotta go away or something like, or like, there will be ants in the house and I would like call them a bastard. Right. <laughs> and then my dad, and then my dad would like shun me, but I'm like, but no, like the energy that I was like speaking of the ants because they were intruding. Like to me, I'm like, they're intruding like those bastards. Cause I heard somebody else say it obviously, but you know, and then my dad being like, no, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. Or like, you know, the sense of feeling like, Oh, I'm bad because I don't do what everybody else does. Was that like in retrospect, was that the I guess what I'm trying to say, like, were you aware at the time that you were being judged and you were like seeing that for what it was? Or is it an insight you've gotten in retrospect? Yeah, retrospect for sure. Retrospect for sure. Because it would just be like, but some things would be in the moment, you know, right? Like we would all be sitting down eating cereal at the table and I would be breathing deeply through my nose and everybody's like making fun of me because I'm breathing. And I'm like, I'm just breathing. I'm just breathing <laughs> because like, that's how you breathe, right? You breathe deeply. And even later on in my life, I realized like I would breathe really shallow because like breathing too deeply, you might get judged like that deep. Like, whoa, right. We, a lot of people are shallow breathers. Like it's a thing. And yeah. people are having to learn how to actually deeply breathe. Right, right. So that's I funny. Just, yeah, it's man, it's it's taking a lot of deconditioning. I can say that for sure. And um, then you got into what was like the first kind of spiritual discipline that you got into? Well, just learning about uh, Egyptian stuff in college, like when I. Yeah. So back when I started smoking recreation, recreationally in college while playing football, I would randomly just think about Egypt. I would just think about Egypt and I would go to the library and just start looking up books on Egypt and then start looking at Egyptian magic and not knowing what I was reading, but looking at the symbols in the hieroglyphs and just feeling like home on some level. And mm -hmm. so I just kept learning that. And then I started learning about like the art of logic and like quantum physics. I would just read the books or, or I literally sometimes I would sit there and just look at the equations and I would feel things. And I just, I just didn't know how to, I just didn't even know how to handle that. But, and then I started learning about alchemy a little bit as well. I had some, a lot of spiritual breakthrough from smoking recreationally it started like when I was 16, but into my college undergrad as well. I had tons of spiritual things come through because it really heightened my imagination. And I think it also decreases the buffer of our ego. And so we're more receptive to energies and we become more porous. And the social conditioning around recreational drug use was that it was going to fry your brain make you not a member of society and that you would be destroyed. And it actually like opened up my third eye. 
So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I, I had a kind of a different experience. Like I had the experience, like you were saying, like having that fear of like being judged all the time when like, cause it was dissolving my ego on some level, but like all that Capricorn is like, I was holding on to it though. Cause like, while I'll be reading those books, like I'm Cameron and I'm a football player in college and Oh, like I get girls and you know, stuff like that. But like, so I would be at the library with an Egyptian book, like literally like, like hunching over it, like looking over my shoulder, making sure nobody come finds out that I'm like this nerdy, big, tall black guy. But like, you know, so it was just like so much conditioning that I was just like care so much. So how did that break down? Because now I feel like you're out with your spirituality. So yeah, yeah, definitely. So really, it's just like I started learning about psychology. And when I started learning about psychology, I would write all my papers on Carl Jung, like all of them. My teachers would literally be like, Cameron, you have to write a paper about somebody except Carl Jung. And this was even before I got into alchemy. So I just started reading a lot about Carl Jung and just resonating with his work. And then so that was that was the beginning of it, really, because I even one day I remember waking up in the middle of the night and like going like in the football stadium where I played football at. And I was like. I know I'm different and I want to be different. So I'm going to start deconditioning. And that's when I was like 21, about 21, 22 or something like that. So, yeah, I feel like I'm 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 almost there now, like where I'm like, I feel good enough to be. Yeah. In my own field. I perceive you as someone who's comfortable with themselves for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering, what would you like advise to the people who are kind of in the spiritual closet and they're like secretly into metaphysics or secretly into magic? What, how do people get out of that secrecy with it? Like, cause there is psychology around it, right? Like we want right. to fit in, we want to belong. Um, but there's also power dynamics cause it's like, you can be really into something. And if you express that to someone else and they judge you, if you internalize that judgment, it's a power like you're disempowering yourself with another person's judgment. So like, what's, what are some things to help people um, who might be listening if they have that struggle right now? Right. Right. Yeah. So I talk to people about stuff like this every, almost every day or like at least five days a week where I work at. And a lot of times I, cause you people, work, you work at a metaphysical shop, right? Yeah. Right. In Memphis, Tennessee, I work at a spiritual supply store called Ebo. So if you're ever out in Memphis, yeah, come holler at me. <laughs> but oh, I yeah, say well. yeah, for sure. But yeah, so a lot of times I tell people, hey, like this is the situation. You're changing and you're becoming an individual and other people aren't going to accept that. So sometimes I actually invite people to go just do it. Express yourself and feel that like actually feel what it feels like to be disempowered or like feel what it feels like to say it and know that it, that is empowering and what will come back to you might be disempowering, you know? So you can actually feel it and experience it because in a world where we're not taught to go out, it's like, go out and feel like that's, I'm like, like coaching people like just go out and feel it, like experience it because that experience will be the awakening in and of itself. And if I say that, and you know, it's a prelude to what is actually going to happen when they go do it. 
You must really help people. Like I've, whenever I go into spiritual supply stores, the people who work there are kind of enigmas to me because I don't know them outside of their work for the most part. I really, I don't know if I know people who work at shops like that besides you. And so they feel like these kind of threshold, like gatekeepers, because they're just interacting with the public and some people who might be deep into their spiritual interests and some people who are totally new and still kind of think it's this like weird thing, you know, and that you could be someone who's helping to initiate people. And I feel like that's, um, that's a really cool skill set to have. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting learning how to navigate that uh, for sure. Cause sometimes I really just feel like I just stay out of the way. Like as far as like the whole, like just Cameron thing goes, I'm like, I have my opinions. I have my beliefs, you know, but when somebody is in front of me, you know, all that stuff, I mean, I don't need it. I don't need it. All I have to do is be present. And even, you know, with human design being a projector, you know, I was just thinking that (laughs) everybody's like, Hey, I have a question. I'm inviting you to illuminate something. So I do that all So for day. people who are listening, can you tell like what a projector is from your right, perspective? Right, right. Okay. So for me, cause I haven't dived all the way into human design, but to me being the nature of being a projector is just being able to penetrate into somebody's a uh, core being. It's like being able to maybe, you know, taste the essence of what you're standing in front of. And that's not necessarily just a human. It could be a plant. You do this. I'm sorry. I just have <laughs> to say you do this like not even just in person, but you do it on the Internet. Like I've seen you post statuses before where you say something really wise and you're like, if you're reading this and you resonate with it, it's for you. And I was like, damn, like that was for me. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like tuning into the whole field. So, yeah, yeah. sorry. No, no, yeah, no, you're totally right. And. And that's what I do sometimes before I post things because I'll sit down and write. And then at the end of it, I'll just take it some deep breaths. And then whatever comes out, I'm like, okay, this is what's for whoever, you know, whoever feels it. So whoever is really inviting my words to penetrate them. Yeah. But it's like you putting that at the end of the statement, it makes it hit even deeper because I'm like, oh, like this was actually a message for me. And like, I feel like the internet illuminates in real time that like magic and astrology are real because there's just people like you saying things on the internet that hit people and it's relevant to a moment in time that they happen to be tuning in. So yeah, definitely. And you're in the year and if they can feel the electrical force, that is behind the words that I speak. So that, that definitely, yeah, that resonates for sure. Or people who get triggered by it, you know, cause I invite some people to be triggered by things that I say as well, because if somebody truly knows me, they know how I am. I know I do all things out of love, you know, even if I have distortions of my own, I just own it. So what's going on with people being like triggered by you? well like more recently i've been talking a lot about like eating fruit you know like and being like fruitarian pretty much or just like breaking down the way people see things because food you know the whole food thing is like a really sensitive subject for a lot of people oh it so is it's so sensitive i notice it because like i i've had some dietary transformations in my life. And when it first started happening, it felt like this tribal, like anger got evoked around me. Like, why are you eating what we're eating? And 
Like now it's even just like, it seems like a self-worth thing. Like if I talk about being vegan and my diet can feel restrictive, but it's not restrictive out of a place of self-flagellation. It's like some foods don't vibe with me anymore, so I don't eat them. But sometimes if I talk about that to certain people, they get triggered because they're like, I went on a restrictive diet and it was really unhealthy for me and they don't want to hear anything about it. So I've learned to just kind of be be chill about talking about dietary stuff, but I'm also still really passionate about it. So I just (laughs) tread carefully, but also still express myself. But yeah. Yeah. And I talk to people about every day because so so people come to me where I work at and sometimes I'm just like, well, how's your diet? You know, and I'm like, just all calm. Like, how's your diet? And they tell me like, I don't do this. I don't do that. And I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> you're not here to be judged. Like, I just want to know how your diet is so we can like talk about it, you know? And something really big that I've been saying to people a lot lately is like, well, let's find out what the truth of whatever it is that we're talking about is. Let's try to find the truth of it together. And then from there, we can make whatever decision we want to make. So it's like, if somebody's like, I'm trying to be vegan or I'm trying to be plant-based, it's like, but I can't seem to do it. And I'm like, well, if you think being plant-based or vegan is best for you, accept that as a truth. And then from there, you make the decision that you want to make because we already have too much guilt in this reality as it is. And then like, I've, I, like a lot of people get mad at me in Memphis. Uh, well, not really mad, but like I always make jokes at people who are vegan because like they're like becoming like the way people would perceive like christians you know like they always call them like bible belt vegans because they're just like (laughs) because they're just like proselytizing on some level you know a lot of times and then we already have too much guilt is the thing for me so it's like yeah maybe vegan is best you know and that's okay I'm, i'm not even here to debate that but all i'm saying is there's enough guilt we have enough guilt And like, let's not do that because people truly feel shame if they don't, you know, have a plant based diet, especially if they're quote unquote spiritual. That is really interesting. I've been noticing the intersection of like shame and dietary stuff as well, because it's really hard to make good life decisions that support your growth when you're coming from a shame space. Yeah. And I feel like I didn't become vegan from a place of shame. Like I had all these other spiritual events happen in my life and it just kind of fell into place. And it's been hard for me to make, you know, lasting life adjustments unless they come from a place of self-worth. So that might be primary for people in a healing process is the reduction of guilt and self-love and all of that. The addition of self-love, not reduction right. of, but yeah. Right, right, right. Understood. Totally. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. And I always tell people experience it, you know, if you I like if you go eat a bunch of fruit for two weeks and then you go eat a piece of meat, experience it. I tell everybody that I work with pretty much pick up, like sit in front of your food. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Scan your body. How do you feel? You know, smell it. Put it up to your ear. Put it up to your stomach. Mm. You know, like is that a, uh, is <laughs> that a yes or Taurus moon? Is that a, yeah, <laughs> like is it a yes or a no? You know, and then taste it. How does how does that make your body feel? You know, actually experiencing how you experience things. That's because so we good because we don't do that. We don't do that, and that's you know when people talk about the return of divine feminine, that is what it is. It is the earth and the water. So is how I feel about my senses 
I could reduce it down to that, even though I know it's more than that for like the everyday people. And just then that in and of itself could change everything for them. That's incredible. I really like that. Do you have any other thoughts on the return to the divine feminine? That seems like a huge (laughs) (laughs) portal to open. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always look at it as, um, you know, uh, definitely the senses, definitely emotions, but actually the earth, you know, and how we're treating the earth and how that is a feminine energy and how we are treating our water. And that's a feminine energy, you know, always tuning into that, but also women in how deeply intuitive they are. You know, there's just so, it's so many things. Cause even tomorrow I'm having a workshop where I'm, uh, I'm it's like yin and yang and it's like the art of divine feminine and divine masculine and I'm representing the divine feminine so it's like everything to me that is yin yin is feminine but also taking it not necessarily taking it away from it being female but like separating it for a moment in time at least so that people can reorient to what is feminine and what is masculine because a lot of people's definition is based off social norms so it's easy to be triggered if somebody's talking about something that's feminine or masculine. If you're looking at it from a perspective of social norms. So when I talk to people, a lot of times I'm like, well, like you might get upset with me if I say masculine or feminine, but just know that you're using a framework that is distorted. So if you're using a distorted framework, then, you know, then you can get really upset about things. Because to me, even just the energy of feminine could be down and in you know, or being receptive or passive. Like to me, I'm deeply feminine because I'm just like, you know, I intuit things and I feel things. And even just being like I was saying before being a projector, it's like I wait for invitations and I uh, gather information so I can master systems. So all those things to me are feminine for sure. I mean, there's so much more like that's Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. But that's all I'll say right there. Yeah. So, but there's the yin and yang, and you've mentioned this to me before in terms of some fundamentals of astrology that are really profound just to know about. And, you know, so knowing if you're yin or yang, like what are some qualities, um, if feminine or yin is down and in what's yang. And I also, yeah, I just totally agree with what you're saying that these are energies and that it is triggering if you're coming from a social norm perspective, but if we're not demanding that people ascribe to one or the other, and they're just these two poles, it's no longer as charged. So, right, right, and and I've been talking to my friends about that who, you know, who do get triggered by stuff like that, just so I can learn how to like speak of it, you know, because it is such a sensitive subject, and I and I like to be as sensitive as possible, but also with all my Capricorn, if somebody comes at me, I'm like, don't just don't do that. You know, I'm like, I'm like, don't come at me. I'm like, we can talk about it. We can just talk about it, you know, but don't come. But yeah. So I've been telling people, I'm like, well, when we say a binary, inherently we're talking about one thing. So even like looking at like birth and death, that is life. And so, cause a lot of people look at like life and then death, they say life, death. And I'm like, well, that's not really what it is. It's birth and death. And that is life. So, I just kind of went on a tangent. Oh my God. That's so good. (laughs) I love that. I never have considered that before. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and it is like that with everything, you know? So even, 
with the astrology, you know, opening, I, I always say in my workshops, I'm like, let's open up the spectrum. Cause if we can look at the whole spectrum, then we'd be like, Oh, like, what does this mean? If somebody tries to give it one signification, then people will be locked into it. And I'm like, well, this is the spectrum that could happen. This could be like you in balance with yourself, or this could be you and a partner, right? Like there's a spectrum, like that is just you inside yourself. And that's you in the external world completely. I'm like, but think about all the variety of forms that come in between that spectrum. So when you move forward into the present moment, when something happens, boom, direct experience of your chart, of yourself. Mm. I love that. (laughs) I love that experience too, just of feeling your chart in real time. That's why I want like as many people as possible to study astrology. Like it's so profound to have an actual personal relationship to it. Um, I really want to hear some more about your work with the three elements and the four modes and, you know, just help educate us for those of us who already know astrology. And then um, if possible, also people who don't know what astrology is, it's um, like, how would you describe these elements and modes? Okay, yeah. So there's this thing in uh, alchemy, they call it. And this is the framework that I use uh, pretty much. It's called the doctrine of emanation. So everything starts with the one. And from that one, you know, some people call it the prima materia and alchemy is what they call it. Uh, You know, some people call it the formless form. You know, you can consider it yin yang before it becomes yin and yang because it's one thing. Uh, I like to call it chaos because every single time I try to get into that space, I just feel like my brain's going to explode. So I like to call it chaos. Um, But from that oneness, it separates into two, which makes the binary, you know, the yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine, uh, the celestial salt and the celestial niter and alchemy. And then in astrology, it would make all the signs that are passive versus the signs that are active. And then from the two, it breaks off into two more from. So from the yin, you break off into earth and water, and that would be all the earth and water signs in astrology. Or that would be like my physical body and my emotions. And then on the yang side, you got the air and you got the fire, which would be like uh some people see fire as just like pure consciousness or just like actual vital force. And then the air would just be thoughts, you know, and then from there, and those would be the elements, the four elements. And then from there they recombine. And when they recombine, they create the three modes or what they call the three principles in alchemy. And also I look at those as the doshas, but also, yeah. So, all those things to me on an underlying energetic level, they're all the same things, the doshas, the modes, and the three principles of alchemy. And I learned that framework particularly from my teacher, my plant medicine teacher, Sage Popham, at the um, School of Evolutionary Herbalism. He was real, uh, he was really helpful in guiding me back to nature. So nature can be like my main teacher again. So that's, that's the framework that I use, but I don't know if that was like what you were looking for, because like, but like, no, that's really cool. I didn't, um, I feel like 
For me, in studying astrology, I just started with the signs and the personalities of the signs. And I did that for years, you know, starting as a kid. And I even learned the planets and the planets and the signs. And it wasn't until I started like going deep into evolutionary astrology and then eventually teaching it that I started to really understand the poetic like beauty of the elements and the modes because I just kind of they form patterns and there's a lot of like pattern recognition that can come out of it. But my mind didn't go there. I went to the feelings and the, you know, people's personalities and that kind of thing first. But, um, I'm curious to know, hear more about the, so there's cardinal fixed and mutable and how those relate to the, their combinations of elements, each of them. Cause I have like my own just astrological understanding of, those three modes, but I haven't, um, and I have a guess for what they might be like dosha wise, but I'm not sure. So yeah, I'll leave it to you. So fixed would be kapha and mutable would be vata and then cardinal would be pizza. That's the correspondence. Okay. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting though, because one time like in that, and I still use that framework right there, but one time I was having a meditation And it was as if I lifted up out of, you know, the space time reality that we're in right now and everything flipped, everything flipped. Because the thing about it is the only thing that is fixed is the mutability. It's always changing, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was crazy experience. So I still like hold space for that to be able to change over time or for my understanding to be much more elaborate. And very paradoxical is how it's seeming to be my my consciousness. But the way the elements go together, so you got you got the earth and you got the water, and that would be the fixed, and that would be kapha. And and it doesn't it doesn't fit up exactly with the doshas because in the east they have the five elements. So you can't even really create it in on that way, uh, the same exact way. I put I put the mutability in the middle because it goes back and forth from the water in the air. And then on the far side, on the far right side is how I frame it. You got the air and the fire and that would be the cardinal. So that's, that's how I look at those. Okay. And so just for anyone listening, the cardinal signs are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. And the fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio and Aquarius and the mutable signs are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius and Pisces. Um, And so all those four, like those groupings of four signs all share an energetic imprint with each other. And I feel like that, you know, adds this whole other level of depth to understanding even your sun sign, um, but correlating it to the doshas as well, which is also super cool. Like it makes sense with fixed energy being like Kapha, um, is fixed can be so like stubborn and um, really consolidates and cultivates and holds down energy, which is what Kapha in Ayurveda does as well. Um, do you notice that people like you can see a lot of correlations between people's natal charts and their constitutions? Oh yeah. Oh man. So much. It's, it's so, it's so cool. Cause when people like when people find out that I work with astrology, they want to they always want to ask me, like, well, what's my sign? You know, and I'm and I'm like, well, I'm not necessarily like 
for myself, I'm like, I'm not really an astrologer where it's like, that's like my main identity. I'm like, I'm a formulator and I see patterns. So when people walk up, automatically doshas come up for me. And then when they start talking, the elements come up. So after that, you know, I always ask people like, is your sign this or that? And they'll be like, no, ah, like, or like even some people will be like, you know, they're like, we'll laugh and be like, I thought you were an astrologer. And I'm like, well, I'm sure it's somewhere in there, you know, cause I can see it, you know? And then I'll like end up looking at their chart and I was like, oh yeah, you got three planets there. That's exactly what I was looking at. It's like that dosha comes through. So it comes through so clean, you know? Yeah. So what do you think about psychic phenomena in this sense that I feel like you're recognizing these patterns and it may be something that you do so quickly and then it elicits this thing that appears to be psychic and is all psychic phenomena like that in a sense? Um, Um, Yeah, I just like I feel like your your mind is able to track your calculations to where you arrive um, which is super cool and very airy. You are a Gemini moon too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot super that airy. for a while, but last night when I was thinking about this um, interview happening today, I was like, it popped into my mind that you were a Gemini moon, like spontaneously. So I figured that I would, I'd feel it. Right, right. Yeah. So to me, I look at it as like, I have Sagittarius rising. So it's like something appears and in that present moment, I have like this huge context, this huge context for what is appearing in front of me uh, because I do do it with weather. I do it with plants. I do it with crystals. I do it with people. I do it with, you know, words. So I had this huge context and then my moon is Gemini. So as I'm standing there as me, I'm literally gathering the content, the details of things. So to me, it is, the boundary between what is, you know, what most people call psychic and what is just layered onto my consciousness is logical. They're, you know, on some level, they're not as separate as people would think they are. But also, I feel when you go deep inside your psyche, when, you know, even thinking of the outer planets as unconscious, well, I have to reframe that because a lot of things that seem unconscious are just very present for me. I mean, my Uranus is conjunct Mars, so it's like... Yes. It's when just you like said right that, right I now. saw a blue light by your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, there's a, some... I'm a blue being, they say. When I come to people in their dreams, I'm blue. So that makes total sense. Really? Well, yeah. the lights that I see are usually blue as well, but it just was like it hovered by your face while you said the thing about the transpersonal planets not being exclusively transpersonal, and I totally agree with that. They're very like ordinary in a sense to me, like in their appearance, but it wasn't always like that. I mean, maybe it was, but it took some time to, to understand it and get through some social conditioning layers and all of that. Oh yeah, for sure. I I, I feel that deeply. And I mean, not even to go into the tangent of the planetary nodes, but I mean, that's just like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of planets conjunct the planetary nodes and, I, I don't know, some level I can't even begin to describe what the planetary nodes really are. So the nodes of the moon is what people say when they're saying nodes. Okay, so let's take a step back. So when people are saying, like, what's your north node and south node, people, what they're really saying from my perspective is, what is the north node of your moon? And what is the south node of your moon? So keeping in mind that 
And then every single planet in a birth chart also has a north and a south node. So in my chart in particularly, I have three planets conjunct the south node of Pluto. Uh, and I also have, uh, let me see, what is, I have my, the south node of my Mercury is in the same spot. The south node of my Venus is in the same spot. So a lot of things about how I relate to myself and how I mentally organize things has deeply to do with unconscious desires on some level of the structure of reality and like how it is trying to move forward. That's the best way I can put it into linear words right now, honestly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I love the uh, the personal mythology that comes out of studying astrology. Like it's so deep. Um, and just the, the experiences I've had with you where you um, you'll message me and it, it's like a spontaneous idea that comes through me. And you're like, I don't know. I just felt like I should share this. And it's like exactly it. And it's so on point, um, shows me that, you know, what you're saying, I can resonate with as an actual experience I've had of you. But, um, it's also like the things that you express. Um, I find them very comforting just because they have this feeling of grounding in this structure of reality. So instead of just being kind of like off in some abstract structure, social matrix or something, you're tuning into something, um, I guess, related to the planetary nodes and the South node, something that I've heard about them that really changed my perspective recently was that they're about restoring things as well. Because some people think they need to go to their North node and ditch their South node, you know, just talking about the lunar nodes right. and that there's actually an element with the South nodes of restoring something. So when you were sharing that, it made me wonder if some of these, um, like your perception and just like this field of information that you're picking up details on is something that you've um, collected for multiple lifetimes. And it's just like here at the tip of your conscious awareness in this lifetime too, so that you can restore it and do something with it in this life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like polishing crystals, you know, or not, I wouldn't say polishing it because I don't like that, but I like faceted or like when you like have faceted crystals, or like you shape it into certain things. That's really what it feels like. It's like, oh, here's a block of information that you had. And now this is what you're going to do with it. Turn it into the, like a little macabre or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a projector too, by the way. I don't, I know you know that. I haven't said it in this episode, I guess, but it's a really interesting um, aura type to be because it feels like, like, I mean, my personal experience of it, it's like walking around with like this, ability to guide people and you are waiting to be invited. So like mm -hmm. when people ask me questions or when people come to me for readings, it's like a channel opens up in me and I just have information for them. It's that simple. And I feel like I'm in touch with my nature and my purpose when I'm given that invitation and I get frustrated. I know it's the generator thing to get frustrated. So, and it's the bitter thing for projectors, but I don't like perceiving information that I don't feel like I'm invited to share. And part of like why I have my stuff on the internet and I share through the internet is because people can tune in if they're called. So it's like, I feel the invitation from reality itself to contribute my voice on the internet. And it's not intrusive, really. I'm not targeting certain people that don't want to hear what I'm saying, you know? So I think yeah, that the internet yeah. has done a good thing for projectors. 
Um, because before the internet, I, there's like a mark, a marked difference, even though I was only like 11 when I started getting involved in the internet, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And dealing with people every day, I've come to like a deep, deep awareness of what is an invitation. It, it, I've come into a very deep awareness of it because somebody can ask me like, Oh, what does burdock root do? And I can feel that is not a true invitation. Like they, like some people will know like certain facts about a plant and they'll ask me and I can feel that they're not inviting me to share my information. What they're doing is trying to test me to see if I'm good enough. So even like I've perceived invitations as different, you know, because somebody doesn't have to say anything to me and I can feel them inviting me to do something or say something. So it's just, it's changed the way I perceive what an invitation truly is. Even if somebody like wants to like hang out with me, but I can see that they want something. I'm like, well, that wasn't like a real invitation. They don't really want to see me. They just want to, you know, reach their hand out and grab this wizard that they thought they saw in a, in a herbal store. Oh man. <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I can resonate with that feeling as well of, hearing people ask for certain things, but reading between the lines and actually feeling a much different energetic intention that I don't know if they're fully aware of or not, but it's made me, I respond to people based on that underlying like subliminal sense that I'm getting from them as well. Because if I was just to be literal and interact with people based on what's actually just being said on the surface, I don't think that I would be adapting to reality in the way that I'm actually designed to. Oh yeah. So (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. Definitely. Cause to me, like a lot of people will see me as like judging things, you know, whereas like I find that discernment is a much better word sometimes as, as opposed to judgment. Or I even tell people, I'm like, Hey, well, if I'm judging, I'm judging based off of like, well, Hey, look, this is a black shirt. Did I just judge that? You know, like you can, we can say that. And I'm like, and the fact that this shirt is black doesn't mean that it's better or worse. It's just something that I see and you don't see how I see. So you can make a value judgment about how I'm interacting with you, but it is not that for me. You have really good boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Especially now, like it's, yeah, it's needed because so many people, even like being a projector and a lot about being one-on-one where it's like sometimes where I work at, there's like four people in the room they see me say something to this other person and they're like, Oh my gosh. Like they're like ready for them themselves to be next. And they come up and they ask me a question and literally everything that I feel goes away. And I'm like, well, it's gone now. Sorry. That's so interesting. I've had that happen in groups too, where like my head just goes fuzzy and I'm like, sorry, don't have anything. Right. It helps to be honest. Um, I want to ask you also about the lymphatic system because you talk about it a bit and yeah, I just want to hear you share what you're inspired by with it and just kind of how people can connect to their lymphatic system like that. It feels a little bit abstract to me. Like I know I can like do some kind of massage thing or even like I got a lymphatic massage from someone else once and that was amazing. But, um, yeah, on a day-to-day basis, I'm not that aware of my lymph. And I've met people who 
are like limp whispers and I just think it's super cool. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like over here cheesing, like just cause you talked about the lymphatic system. <laughs> like it's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah. So the lymphatic system, like the first thing that I always tell people, especially if they're into astrology, I'm like, it's like Neptune because it is the whole ocean. It is everywhere in the body. There's nowhere in the body that the lymph is not working. So a lot of times people will have issues in their liver or their kidneys or, you know, this and that. But the lymphatic system around it is stagnant. And that is the actual problem, you know. So even so on a very practical level uh, to get in touch with the lymphatic system, I invite people to go on Google and look up the picture of lymph nodes. Just type in lymph nodes. Find out where all those lymph nodes are and press into them. Press, press into <laughs> press into every single lymph node and just like see how it feels like does it feel restricted you know even like when you push into the lymph node in your neck it's like you push up but then you take a deep breath because sometimes you can't feel that it's stuck or stagnant and you press harder and then you just take a huge deep breath and it's, it's actually painful we're literally just like have stuck fluids in the body you know which i have found to correspond to like unconscious issues going on in the within my psyche for sure because i've moved lymphatic lymphatic stagnation and literally a thought will just come up and leave as well so it can it can be a definitely a great tool so yeah the most practical thing to do is just tune into the lymph go to google press into your lymphatic system uh go go on youtube type in lymphatic system yoga pick pick five videos do that for five days straight and I guarantee that you'll start having, you know, a greater understanding of how the ocean of the body is moving around because it is the basis to everything in the body, pretty much from my perspective, even going back all the way back to when we were talking about the yin and the yang and the masculine and the feminine, the lymphatic system is uh, magnetically pulling toxins, which would be feminine energy. Whereas on the, on the opposite side of that, you have the nervous system, which is like about electricity. So you have the magnetic side, which is the lymphatic system, and then you have the electrical side, which is the masculine energy, is the nervous system. And if those two things in a person are working properly, that human is functioning well. That human is functioning well. Wow. I have never seen those two systems in my mind in the way that you just evoked before, and I'm really sparked by that. I had no idea that the lymphatic system was magnetic and that you could kind of relate the lymphatic system to the nervous system in that way, that they're yin and yang. And that is just so cool. I also didn't know that there was yoga for the lymphatic system. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I just literally never even imagined it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The nervous system, the lymphatic system and the endocrine system. If everybody could just go type in yoga, endocrine system, yoga, lymphatic system, yoga, nervous system, and do those three, even do those three in rotation for two months, a month, five days, three days, you know, however long you want to do it. I even tell people, like, turn that on. Even, don't be intimidated if it says an hour, 13 minutes. Turn it on. Do it. And when you're and when you're done, if you're done at three minutes and you feel OK, then do that. But know that you can go deeper. You know, know that it is a truth that you can go deeper. But no, don't judge yourself if you don't want to go deeper. Do what you can do. Ooh. Do what you can do. And then keep it moving. That's so good. 
I feel like a lot of people would be held back from like an hour long video or something and you don't have to do all of it. And I feel like also it's really cool to be that experimental. Like I know with studying astrology, I'm not afraid of transits that I have because I'm interested in them. I want to like experiment with them and interact with them and I observe them. And I feel like we, a lot of people, so I'm not going to just say we, but a good number of people are estranged from their bodies because we don't have this intuitive self. You know, I think reality is just really complex and it's hard for people to tune into the complexity of everything. And so there's people who aren't tuned into the complexity of their body systems and they're tuned into the complexity of like computers or something um, or some external system. And it's like, there's a fear of the body because when we interact with our lymph or our bones or something, it's related to this medical paradigm that something has to be wrong or broken to deal with it. And I think the body can be like a paradise and like really enjoyable and this like sensual, you know, experience and to just have an actual relationship and a friendship with the lymphatic system. It's like some of the stuff I learned with Tantra where it's like connect with my cervix. Like it doesn't have to be that I'm going to a doctor to do that. It's like I have a cervix. I can talk to it. And when you talk to different parts of your body, you form a relationship to it. So I love um, the inspiration coming from you to just like tune in with these body systems and like your interest in it sparks sparks me so thank you for sharing that oh yeah for sure it's 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 that's it's what i do now at this point like it's play it's play that's what we're here to do we're here to play and be creative and that's how i look at it you know all the experiences i'm just like oh that was fun oh this is fun and and i get caught up in the drama i do and i hurt and i have emotions and when i have emotions sometimes i want sweet stuff like you know so it's it's the same thing that everybody's doing all the time. And, you know, no matter what level we think we're on, you know, it's all the same things in different ways. So, cause somebody might be like, Oh, I'm trying to eat like you. And I'm like, well, like I do this and I know what is best for me is not that sometimes. So we're literally doing the exact same thing. We're all literally doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. To be real, like I, I have this judgment against microwaving food. I, at all costs, for the most part, heat things up over the stove. But I've been under a lot of deadlines this weekend. And I reversed back to this, like, high school version of me that would, like, study for hours and, like, (laughs) microwave food or, like, eat cereal out of the box. And it was, like, I did Mm. microwave some food and I didn't feel bad Mm. about it. Like, it didn't sit badly in me. But there's other times where it would. So... I think it is okay. Like I eat super healthy and whatever, but if somehow it just didn't bother me and I do eat, I don't eat sugar anymore, but I eat all the other kinds of sugars like coconut sugar and stevia and whatever. So I also go to sweet things. And I've also (laughs) talked to people about it. I'm like, the next time you feel like you want something sweet and like, you think it's going to like, or it's like, if you want to make this best decision, then we know what you do. You go buy the biggest thing you can find a fruit and then you buy that cake, buy the cake and you eat all that fruit and then go to the cake. Just make that choice. Just that choice. Because most of the time they <laughs> eat some of the cake. Do people eat the yeah. cake? Or it all depends on who the person is and how, like, how far they were and, you know, the space that they were in. But at the end of the day, to me, I'm like, it is about the experience because understanding that the sweet taste 
is about nourishment. It's about feeling nourished. So if we're going to cake that is, you know, highly processed and has white sugar, then we're making ourselves feel like we're nourished, but we're not. And if we can accept that and like move forward, you know, with no judgments about it, but just like understanding that that's what we're doing. Because if you eat a bunch of fruit, not you're going to have the sweet taste, but your body's actually going to be nourished, you know, and then but also looking at that in the situations that we have with people in our lives. Am I going to this thing to get nourished, even though it's not nourishing? I love that. I want to highlight, too, what you said about not judging it, like being with yourself for the experience of eating fruit and then maybe eating cake and not judging it, I think is a critical turning point in transformation because if you're acting out a habit that you don't want to have anymore or you're being compulsive in a way that you don't want to be anymore if you can just watch yourself carry it out without judging yourself i've noticed that that's what precedes me actually making a a life shift yeah. the judgment is what keeps us in bondage basically to yeah whatever we're addicted to a thousand percent for sure that's exactly what it is and to me, like, this is definitely an Aquarian process, but not like, uh, I guess, cookie cutter Aquarian where people say detachment. Because I like to, you know, readjust the the language and the verbiage of things a lot of times. So I'm like, well, it's really about non-attachment, not detachment. Whereas, like, I perceive detachment as like, I'm turning my back and walking away because I don't want to deal with it because I care this much. Hmm. Whereas non-attachment is like, oh, wow, that really, really just hurt me. I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. But I'm hurt, but I'm also watching. And I'm experiencing deeply. So to me, Aquarius being uh, about like detachment to where like people are just cold and cut off, it is not that way for me anymore. It's about seeing and experiencing and making a choice from there. You know, Pouring the emotion out from the mental body, not necessarily from the the mind that we have in our head because I mean, even in the East in the Eastern traditions, the mind is in the heart, the mind is in the heart. And even the symbol of Uranus right there. If you like, I've, I've seen it, uh, in my heart, like the, the circle, the circle of spirit in my heart. And then the two symbols of receptivity above my head. So it's like the feminine and then the masculine making some type of connection and then making way to my heart. That's amazing. I love um, how you're talking about Aquarius as someone who is an Aquarius and just like, I feel like we need that sometimes, like people sharing these visions of what the signs actually are that go against the stories that we have about them, because those stories are just interpretations and there's always new layers and new developments of the archetypes. Um, I also really wanted to ask you, and it it's kind of an Aquarius theme, but about your perspective about human relationship and this kind of human fascination with relationship versus our relationship to reality and to the earth and yeah. you know everything itself. Yeah, I, I tend to struggle with that sometimes when it comes to interfacing with other people because you know in this reality right now that is that is just the way it is for most people. That's just the way it is for them to care more about relationships with people. And like, especially when it comes to romantic relationships, whereas myself, I am relating to plants and planets 
and my relationship with them is deepening over time. So sometimes like I don't even think about, you know, texting my partner because like I'm staring at the fixed star series and like that. And, and it's helping me relate to myself on such a deep, profound level. It's it's and it's and it makes me feel that Uranian uh, Aquarian, you know, exile or like feeling weird or like the person that's, you know, just, yeah, pretty much just feeling exiled from people because that is how I relate to myself by relating to nature and just the energy patterns and everything. And it's just, it's just not, you know, quote unquote normal. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just really not. And people expect it. You know, that's the thing. That's the main thing about it. People expect that out of me. Like they expect me to, yeah, just think romantic relationships are just the way that it is. Like people truly, like when I get in a relationship with somebody, they have to actually teach me like how they like romanticism. Cause I'm like, <laughs> okay. So, so my last partner, like I did like reflexology on her, you know, or like did like lymphatic drainage techniques. And I'm like, Oh, look how much I'm showing you that I love you. I'm like cleaning out your bodily system that corresponds to this thing that happened to you when you were younger and this chakra, you know, and it's like, like that's how I relate to reality on some level is all about, you know, the structure of it and how I can help not necessarily fix because it doesn't need fixing, but I'll still go back and just say like, yeah, fix it. Yeah. And that wasn't received as romantic or what? No, it wasn't romantic to her was more just like attention, attention, like a fourth house son, you know, it's just like, it's just like a need for attention a lot in, you know, for me having boundaries and working where I work at and needing to release the energy that I have from engaging with so many people, you know, time, you know, time was the thing that she really desired a lot. And I didn't have the time to offer. And I, you know, expressed that. But, you know, relationships. Yeah. <laughs> relationships are really complex. And I've been, I've just been thinking about this theme. Like, actually, I mean, I'm pretty interested in romance. And I have been since I was young. And I've had some amazing romantic experiences and also some deep disillusionments about it because I've been so deeply in love and I've lost love that it's like racked me at such a core level. And in order to kind of come back from the trauma of romantic loss, it I've found that I'm actually in relationship to everything. You know, I'm in relationship to humanity. I'm in relationship to plants and the planets and the earth. And all the same, I still want to have relationships. And so I'm just trying to figure out what that even looks like, what that looks like in our age, how we're evolving as a species and how we're going to adapt to the issues that our planet is facing and how that's going to impact the ways that we organize socially in relationship and I mean, that's all just kind of like exploration for me right now. But the ways that you've expressed your vision about relationship, you posted like, again, just things you post on Facebook impact me. Yeah. <laughs> but you posted this meme about like, it was it's something about not pursuing a relationship, but like pursue your evolution and I'll meet you there. Yeah. And it was like that Alex Gray kind of um, image of these two figures. And 
that just touched me because I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Like, I've never found love and fallen in love because I was explicitly pursuing it. Like, I may have been prioritizing it, but usually love finds me because I'm just on my path and I'm like living my truth. And it's like just you posting that it's like, I haven't ever been a person to just fall into a conventional relationship because I'm, I have a really wild kind of spirit and something about me feels caged in and I, it just doesn't even fit vibrationally, yeah. but I have this weird desire for it. Cause I've been conditioned in this culture that like romanticizes it. And, um, it was just a good reminder that like love is an experience that we get to have, but we've put it on this pinnacle like we've um idolized it so heavily when it's actually not the pursuit of love itself that necessarily yields love it's the pursuit of this holistic picture of being a being on the planet and being a cosmic being that actually yields love if you're not just totally inside the matrix of social convention so right 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 yeah but you definitely have to be outside of it to even begin to see that yeah, because, yeah, just I, I always know I always make jokes of myself because you just in comparison to like social norms, because. I don't know, astrology has brought me to such a deeper sense of love. It really has, because if I see somebody has. OK, like so my last partner, like let's she had Mercury retrograde. I have a Gemini moon, so like it doesn't make me feel safe when I'm communicating and somebody's like not listening on some level. But she has Mercury retrograde, so sometimes she literally just shuts off for her. It just shut. It would just shut off for her. And no, just knowing that, like I could see the beauty in her not listening to me. Like, and I could just stay out of mm. my own way and just feel safe for myself, you know. And, and it's just, yeah. just simple things like that. I'm like, well, that is the nature of that thing. That is the beauty of it. That is the beauty of it. So even like I have a bunch of plants and Capricorn. So it's like the energy of that can be feel cold. And I, and I tell people now I'm like, well, yeah, my energy is cold. And what I mean by cold is it's deep inside of me and I'm feeling it in my body. So you can't get a touch of it. It doesn't mean I'm cold and I don't care. Interesting. I have not really experienced you as a cold person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people like when when I'm recognized, I'm not I'm not necessarily cold, you know, but I like sometimes I'm just like matter of fact, you know, and people perceive that as cold. So and it can be and it can be. And I, and I, and I have no I have no opposition to that. I had an experience that I'm just remembering where like I was at this house and we were like partying for the weekend and it was this night where. I think it would have been smart, perhaps, if we all did mushrooms or we were all drinking, if we all chose the same substance, but people were choosing different things. Um, and I was on mushrooms and there was a lot of drunk people. And that's the first time in my life I'd ever experienced that. And I was not into it. I could feel the drunk people from so far away, like looking at like all the mushroom people, like stretching and just being like, oh, look, they're tripping. Yeah. And it's like they were so far away. And I like. I could feel them and they're like obtuse kind of energy, but I had to like go be by myself for a little while. And when I came back out to the party, the first person that I felt safe with was a Capricorn and the Capricorn energy. It was like, 
I just felt this sense of solidity and realness where I was like, oh, like I can just chill and feel safe now. And it changed forever. My perception of Capricorn because of that encounter where, you know, I just, I was tripping, you know, (laughs) needed some like (laughs) grounding energy and, um, Everyone in the party was, there's like this scattered kind of energy, but that was the first person who was actually holding it down. And I felt was like leveling with me and he wasn't even high or he hadn't drinking anything. He was just completely sober Capricorn. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best. (laughs) Right. But that is the Capricorn energy and has the energy of cold, right? It can sober things down. Like if you take some mushrooms or something, you get into the air element, then you get into the fire because it's so much excitation. And it's like, well, like, yeah, bring that Capricorn over here real quick. Let's make that. It's like, because <laughs> yeah. it is cold. So it's bringing us down and in. Now I feel grounded. I'm safe. It's a container. You know, it's a container. So, yeah. And even like, I even like had a, a what people call a download about like uh, medical astrology. Aiden, I like, say, I like saying holistic health in astrology as opposed to medical astrology. But Saturn and Capricorn ruling the fascia of the body, the fascia of the body. So it is a webbing that is holding things together, but it's not rigid and solid like the bones are. You can have that rigid rigidity in Capricorn because of the bones, you know, in Saturn, but also the fascia is holding everything and it must be hydrated. The fascia must be hydrated or you, you pretty much wither away and get old, you know, it's a container. And that is the that is the more evolved Saturn and Capricorn that is coming onto this mm. planet at this time. Uh, not fascia is over fascia bones, but just over like bones, also fascia corresponding to Capricorn, because it is the webbing of all like okay. all the organs are surrounded by fascia, the muscles, fascia, you know, fascia is everywhere in the body, you know, and it needs that lymphatic system to be moving because that is what hydrates it. And if not, then everything gets rigid and you get disconnected from what is truth on some level, even like the Neptune, you know, truth. Hmm. I am really inspired to do some lymphatic yoga. I'm actually going to try it. And by saying it out loud, I'm now making myself because I don't like to announce (laughs) things and not follow through. Speaking of Capricorn. Um, (laughs) but, um, before we go, I just want to ask you, um, maybe some more about what you're currently working on or like what you're really excited about these days and how people can find you you on the internet. Facebook and Cameron Allen. And then, um, on Instagram, you can find me at C a dream six. And then on Twitter, because I recently I've re-engaged with Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at C a dream seven. And I'm actually starting to work on programs finally. And in every in every single program that I have right now that I'm beginning to work on, it starts with module zero, which module zero is it's called the deconditioning, like in quotations. Well, yeah. is this going to be an online program? Yeah, they're going to be all online programs. And some of them are just going to be like, I'll just have like clips of like, oh, like the heart. So to be like high blood, talking about high blood pressure, or the heart chakra, and then, you know, how the heart functions as far as like, just anatomically speaking, what is the correspondence in the heart and the zodiac, you know, just like what dosha, what element, you know, is the heart? What is the essence of the heart from many perspectives? And then in, also in every single one, inviting people 
take what take what you resonate with and then leave what you don't. That's so awesome. I'm really excited that you're going to be rolling those out. Like those sound great. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it because I, I and I have one that just like came to me over one whole weekend of just like, uh, yeah, holistic health and astrology. And there's like these new correspondences to Zodiac signs. And it's, I'm really excited to share some of them. So it'll, it'll be good. And, I, and I'm definitely taking my time with it. So when it's done, it will be like, you know, in Capricorn manner, it's like I've mastered this. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long just for my own selfish. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so everyone listening, go follow Cameron so you can become aware of when these programs come out. And thank you so much, Cameron. This was so much fun talking to you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, and I can't wait to see you at Norway. Yeah, it's coming soon. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you left a review on iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com by May 4th, I'll enter you into a drawing to receive a 45-minute transit reading from me, which is an offer not available on my website. I'm going to be picking 10 winners too, because I want you to have a high chance of winning if you leave me a review. Thank you, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.